Welcome to Not Your Mama's Relief Society. I'm Annie Joy, and me and Julie are on a mission to teach the tools to help us to build a kinder Zion. Join us for today's conversation because there's always room on the pew for you. All right, friends, welcome back to the party. Today, we have Andy Martineau, who is a life coach who also focuses on like connected parenting. And Andy, I'm trying to remember how we first met. I think it was like at a conference or something. Yeah, it was at a conference. We were sitting next to each other and we just started talking and it, we just hit it off. Like we just had so many things to talk about. It was really fun, but totally random. I didn't think I, I didn't plan on going to that conference. It was just kind of on a whim. So, yeah. so fun that we just happened to sit by each other out of all the places. Yes. I'm trying to remember which one it was though. Cause didn't we like go to lunch after two? Um, yeah, it was, um, I think his name's Chris something. I can't remember. He was oh, talking yeah. about it was like the storytelling to, marketing. Um, what was it? How to like have say, say what you do, like really clearly, like how yes. like be able to articulate your story or something. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You know, you're a good life coach when you go to so many things. You that can't you even can't remember. remember which one you met your friends at. <laughs> exactly. All the things. What yes. was that? Yeah. It's so true. Well, I'm so glad I met you. And I've loved watching your content and learning from you about connective parenting. And I have tried to, in small ways, like just be conscious of that. Be thinking about like, well, how could I like be make this whatever problem be more of a connecting piece than like trying to just punish or whatever. And I'm sure we'll tell stories as we go, but I mean, first tell us about you and like, maybe even about like how you got started doing this. Yeah. I, you could say it all started about, I don't know how many years ago. Let's see. My third child was about five. He's now 19. And I walked into the playroom and they had, who can't see Andy looks like she's maybe 20. <laughs> Thank you. Correct. I'll take it. Yes. I'm working on receiving compliments. And I I Thank you. Wow. He and I are the same age. My 19 year old. Yeah, exactly. This is, yeah. I'm actually we born at the same time. Somehow we were, yeah. we were somehow yeah. I'm reversing, ba- I'm aging backwards. What's that show where the yes. people, Benjamin Button, Benjamin Button. Button. yes. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's you. Apparently, Except he oh. ended up as a really creepy looking baby yeah, and a really yeah. weird looking old person. Minus <laughs> like getting to the baby. We don't want to reverse all the way to the baby stage. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely don't want to lose the knowledge. I've I don't know. If right. I can't remember, sure. but I think he got sure. it. But anyway, so I was walking into the. I I had at the time I had my fifth child, and my kids are really close. So I had six kids in eight years. So like, boom, boom, boom. Anyway, exhausted. Dang. I felt like I was killing it. I had actually done the dishes, you know, all the, like the house was semi, like not a disaster. But then I realized that it had been about 20 minutes since I'd heard the kids that were still at home. My oldest was just like in kindergarten. So he had just gone to the Montessori school where he was going for kindergarten. Anyway, I was thinking to myself, I probably should go check on them. So I tiptoe into the little room. It's like, we called it a playroom. It was just a room off it was like, it was a converted bedroom. Cause it had a door. I remember anyway. So it wasn't very big opening. I, I peek in and they had found baby powder. I don't know that we even use baby powder anymore. I think it's probably like illegal or something. I think there's something deadly in it, 
but, but, and it's funny because my daughter who's 20 said she's, she remembers this moment very well. And it was a baby powder flower mix. She said they got the flower and the baby powder. I just remember smelling the baby powder, but I look in it and it's, it's doused. Like it looks like a blizzard hit, you know, and we're in Arizona. So there's, we don't even know what blizzards are, but it's like, we've created a blizzard in Arizona <laughs> and I lose my mind. Like I lose my every, like I am just mm-hmm beyond exhausted from the the little tiny baby that I just had. I'm looking at the mess. They had opened at the time we had an Xbox, which is so funny because right after, soon after this week, I don't think we ever replaced it. So we didn't have electronics like that for a long time. But at the time we'd spent like every last penny, it seemed like on this like Christmas present for the kids and they had poured baby powder in it. It was totally ruined. We didn't have any money to replace the DVD player they had doused or the, you know, the GameCube they had ruined and everything was covered. Anyway, I lost my mind. And I, for some reason, by the grace of God, it was like this beautiful moment where I had this almost like time slowed down. And I had this pause moment because my little son, who's now, he's now 19, but at the time, I don't know, five, four, three, I can't remember exactly the age, but he was little. He was so excited to show me his creation. And I remember seeing his face go from excited to completely destroyed as I started yelling and lecturing and, you know, taking away everything. And I had this moment, it was like divine inspiration allowed, like was able to sneak in somehow and help me see that this was not how I wanted to be. And that was, that was this moment. And and I'll finish the story before I jump onto what happened after that. But that was the moment where I realized this is not how I want to parent. And I was able to say in my mind, for some reason, I had no skills and no awareness of how this even happened, but just be like, this isn't a big deal. Like my nervous system somehow calmed down. And I was able to just smile about it. I actually have a picture of the kids doused in baby powder slash flower combo. And I still have it. And it's such a beautiful reminder of even when we're totally messing up, like that we're going to have those moments where we're able to see things differently. And if we can capitalize on those moments or leverage those moments or find the, what happened that is different than all the other moments that I react and just went down the whole rabbit hole of taking away everything and being, you know, the typical consequence punishment kind of route, um, that we can change how we are. And so like, there was this moment of, wow, that was amazing. And we all, we picked it up really easy. My brain thought it was this terrible thing that was going to last all day. I mean, the electronics were ruined. No, no recovery there, but, um, (laughs) but they were happy to clean it up. It, It wasn't that big of a deal. We moved on. We had a beautiful day. And I remember thinking, I've got to figure out how that happened. And that was the moment for me. I mean, there were other little moments, but that was like the biggest moment for me where I realized I am committed to figuring out a better way because that felt so much better, had such better results than when I went down the lecturing, taking away, you know, you've got to clean this up. You, you know, all of the consequencing that I had done. And no, it didn't, it didn't all come together very quickly after that, but at least I was on like the path. So that's kind of how it all started for me was realizing there has got to be a better way. I have no idea how to do this. It feels like consequences are necessary to parenting. Um, but I all of a sudden realized that maybe they weren't. So I started questioning. So that's kind of how it all began for me. Um, I love that. being a total disaster. <laughs> that's how it started. Uh, I mean, isn't that how all great stories start being a total disaster and trying something new, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love that, that you kind of were like, okay, I don't want to parent like this. I definitely have had moments, especially since I've become like an official single parent. Mm-hmm. I feel like I single parented for 
far longer, but I like officially was like on my own, right? Yes. Official single mom. And I had a lot of moments where I was like, oh goodness, this is just not working. And the way I was raised doesn't work because it didn't work for me. So I certainly don't want to do it for them. And Mm -hmm. anyway, so yeah, but that is really cool. So then as you start this process of like, okay, I want you're on this path. It took a while, obviously, as all good things do take a while. But what did you start noticing? when you started kind of shifting into that, like what are some of the first like breakthroughs you had as you kind of started shifting the way you approached your parenting? Also, how did you start? Maybe you, maybe like the first thing you started with or like where you kind of went resources and then, then seeing the results of that. Yeah. Like the breakthroughs. Yeah. Where did you kind of start? And then the breakthroughs. Cause I'm sitting here thinking, wow, I had a desitin moment. It did not turn out that way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it did, did not have the spiritual inspiration that I wish I had. I've never been um as focused on my parenting as I have with my adopted son so I'm parenting my seven-year-old my youngest is adopted and for some reason his trauma triggers my trauma we trigger each other and yet I am able to be very like I'd say about 50 percent of the time maybe 60 if I'm being grace gracious with myself like I can be very like intent in the way that I'm parenting him and very like conscious, but there's still a good 50% that's like just instinctive upflares all the time. So yeah, I'm very, here we go again, Annie versus the money one. Now the parenting. <laughs> Listen, we bring the coaches on. I need. I'm like making a list of all the like life coaches I need. (laughs) It's good for us because like, yes, we want our audience to like have this information, but like secretly it's also beneficial for us. We're like, oh, that's really good taking notes, you know, makes it more interesting for the listeners. If you and I are (laughs) if we're a hot mess, then guess what? You can be a hot mess too. Oh gosh. That is the truth. We're a hot mess of the microphone. That's all, you know, (laughs) you're a hot mess. It's doing such amazing thing. Like putting out stuff that serves people. I think it's so beautiful what you guys are doing. Um, so, okay. So how, how did I Where start? Did like, start? yeah. Like, okay. what? yeah, here's the thing. I've got it. How did I do it? Yeah. So then how did you do it? Yeah. yeah what was step one? Yeah. Well, step one was me searching like high and low for any evidence of other people that were having success, not doing, well, I shouldn't say it. I mean, that's what, that was one of the first steps, right? It was me just yeah. like, I love, I love learning anyway. That's probably why like Annie and I were like, what was that again? We were at, cause we, I just like, I'm this serial we learner. A lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, of, of all subjects. Right. I love, I love all types of things like from neuroscience to geology, to, you know, astro- astronomy. I love ever. I love all of this knowledge. I'm just soaking it up. So true to form, I went to look, and this was pre podcast, you know, I'm I, I'm so grateful you said I look 20. I I'm not, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, I, I don't even think I had a smart, I mean, I'm for sure didn't have a smartphone at the time. So there, there wasn't that, and there might've been podcasts around. I sure wasn't listening to them. They, maybe there were a few that was cutting coming up, but, yeah. um, so I was listening to like DVDs I ordered about parenting. I was getting books. I went to a couple of um, parenting conference kind of like, or workshoppy work retreat things out of state. I actually brought a parenting expert to Arizona and like gathered a group of women and was like, okay, 
let's see, we can learn from this gal. So I was on the hunt for a lot of information, but what happened initially is I wasn't find, I wasn't finding a lot of stuff that felt true to what I was really getting at was this, I, I, I feel like when I got that little hit of inspiration in the playroom in the baby powder blizzard moment, <laughs> mm. um, the, the Lord was really saying like, there is a way to really bring out the intrinsic motivation of people. And it's not by force and it's not by control and it's not by, you know, giving ultimatums or consequences or bribes or punishment. Like, and so I, like, I knew what I, I wasn't trying to get out, but I couldn't find like a, a, people were getting close that I was listening to, but then I would find that it wasn't getting at the core, but I didn't know what the core was. So at first it was just so frustrating because I didn't understand how to do it. It just, I couldn't find a lot of other people doing it. Um, I remember reading the book by Viktor Frankl. Have you guys read that man's search for man's search for meaning? I think yeah, I always get the name. Meaning. Yeah. And, and like realizing this, it wasn't a parenting book, but it was a book that was really talking about the, um, this was way before I knew about life coaching, but like where, like he was able to have, I don't have the quote in front of me, but something like when we lose all of our freedoms, we still have the ability to like choose our attitude in any given circumstance or something. That's a yeah. bad paraphrase. But I remember thinking, okay, that's what happened in the playroom. And that's what I want to teach my kids about too. Like no matter how frustrated they are or how, like, I want that them to have that too. So I was like finding bits and pieces, but I wasn't finding it at first, you know, in the realm that was drawing the direct line. So I had a lot of awareness and I had a lot of discomfort because I didn't, I was still failing. Like I couldn't figure out the pattern yeah. that I could repeat, you know, over and over again, that would create that result for me. Um, but what ended up happening is I ended up just at first it was just in, like, I was just trying to do a figure out on my own. I didn't have any experts outside of me. That's why it took me so long. Um, it's why I'm so passionate about helping people now. Cause I'm like, okay, you could take 10 years like me, or you can like get all the knowledge and implement this. And it can take you, you know, such a shorter period of time. But I, I started finding like things in developmental psychology, attachment theory. Um, I, I was studying like the nervous system. I found life coaching. I did yoga training. I did meditate. Like I was trying to figure out mind body connection and how to like figure that out. And my, my, I graduated as a nurse, so I love science. So it's so funny that it took me so long to get to like the nervous system area. But anyway, eventually the pieces started coming together and the commitment. And I started finding, you know, psychologists that had, they were more theorists. They were less like applied work, but more theories about it. And I started just made the first commitment that made the biggest difference was just really like consequences. Don't teach lessons. They create safety. Like they might create like an emotional or physical safety. Like someone's yelling at somebody. I might have to step in. I don't even like the word consequence, but that's the word we all use. Um, I might have to step in and like, say, Hey, you need to go over here and you need to go over here. I like calling it setting a limit. So I might need to go in and do that, but that's not going to teach them not to do it again. That's just going to keep them either physically, emotionally safe. Right. Um, so understanding that and that if I'm using it in a punitive way or in a typical way, you, we use consequences thinking, Oh, if I give them a consequence, then they'll learn to do better next time. Realizing that had so many, unintended, um, repercussions, yeah. um, that 
actually was like opposite to what I was trying to do. It decreased the intrinsic motivation. It created, you know, shame and blame and stories inside my kids that they weren't good or, and all of that stuff I didn't want. So really making the decision not to do that. And then it just slowly went from there. Sorry. There's like a long answer. You might have to edit that. (laughs) We'd love it. And I think it's so cool that you made that distinction because I know that I have struggled a lot with like stepping away from consequences and especially in like this past year, I've been trying so hard to like find a different way with my autistic son because mm-hmm. it there for a lot of reasons, but that distinction makes so much sense to me that it's not that there's like not a place for them. It's just understanding their true, um, what's the word? Like not purpose, nature, like what they, they actually do. Yes. Like what's yeah. the purpose? Yes. It's separating for safety. It's whatever. So that helps a lot for me because I've been um, really trying and we're getting somewhere, I think. But there was this moment where, and I can't remember where, maybe I told Julie this story, but um, I was really, really mad at my kiddo because he hits a lot. Like when he's mad, he goes and the first thing he does is like punches his sister and it triggers a lot in me because I'm like, nope, I cannot raise an abusive child. Like that will not be my destiny. And you know, I just have lots of feels come up about it and I've done a lot of coaching around it and I'm getting better at like, nope, he is his own person. He's not anybody else like that. I'm projecting him to be, you know, working all these things, but still I'm like, but I need to keep my daughter safe. So I have yeah. to have some kind of limits, to like keep her safe, but like finding that balance has been hard. But I remember one night he had like just wailed on her and we were coming home from my brothers and I was like, just I was pissed and I was like all right and I was like going through like that's right I'm gonna take the tv and put in the garage I'm gonna break the tv I'm gonna I'm like thinking of all these like hardcore like you know what you want to get rough buddy let's get let's go you want I'm in charge here and let's go like I was just the whole drive home was coming up with the worst possible things I could do to him to teach him a lesson right and then I get home (laughs) and I was like okay sentence is so good though and I know I thought it that's why I'm gonna do all the (laughs) The worst things I could do to teach you a lesson. This is what I'm going to do, right? And I'm like, <laughs> like when you say it in real life, but when you're so mad, you're like, oh, I'm building a lesson. I'm building oh a real gosh. cool lesson. Yes. That's what lots of parents, Seriously, lots of most no. parents could have had that sentence. Go ahead. Totally. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Like I'm in this like mode, you know, and I get home and like, I was like, okay, we've got to like pull it together here. Like I'm being a beast. And so my go-to is always the scriptures and I bust it open and I would, I would feel Testament where I was at reading and I went to there and I, I opened up at the scripture and it was, um, I don't remember what, where it's at. I could look it up, but he basically, it's when, um, the Lord says, should I not spare Nineveh? And that was the, I mean, that was exactly like what I opened up to. Like, that's where I left off, like the chapter before or whatever, but I opened it up and that's what it said. Should I not spare Nineveh? And I remember like that whoosh of the spirit that was like, basically was saying to me, like, should I not spare Evan? Like, really, are you going to punish him this hard because he doesn't know what to do? And I remember that night I started researching a bunch of stuff and there was stuff about like trauma responses and all these things. And like, it's a problem of, you know, can't, not, won't, that like, if they don't have the skills, then they don't have the skills. And was, I was specifically researching like autism and trauma and behaviors. And anyway, it just, I'd already had some feelings around 
a lot of the things he's doing might be a trauma response because he's been through a lot in his young little life and he has no way to like get it out or express it. Like my daughter has been going to therapy and has a place to like talk about her parents' divorce and being a sister of a special needs kid like that. She has that space to talk about it. He doesn't. He doesn't even have all the words to talk about it. So of course he's going to explode and punch people. Like I probably would do the same thing. So anyway, it just was, and I'm still working on it. And I still, sometimes I'm like, oh, like want to punish, you know? And, but anyway, just that distinction helps me to feel like I'm getting even more on my path of like, yeah, there's a place for that in safety, but that does not teach them anything. And it doesn't give them the skill set. It doesn't give them the opportunity to learn like what to do next time. And so oftentimes like my kids, like, and please correct me in how I do this because I'm probably doing only semi, right? But like, they'll be like having an argument and I'll be like dialoguing for them. Like, oh, Evan, I think you're trying to say this, say this, like, hey, sister, I'm feeling disappointed. You don't like Sonic. <laughs> He's like, sister, I'm feeling disappointed. You don't like Sonic. And then she's like, well, I don't want to play Sonic. I'm like, okay, why don't you tell him like, maybe I'll play later. She's like, fine, maybe I'll play later. Like, anyway, but I'll like try to give them other words because sometimes their words are rude and so here's a <laughs> new one friends but anyway so and I've read a lot of your emails and I've like read a lot of your content and like really been inspired by this idea of like well how can I be more connected and like find ways to like make it fun and we play games in the morning like this morning they had babies and I had to like carry them they're eight and ten to like <laughs> oh baby it's time to get dressed for school and chase them because they have dirty teeth and I'm a monster who eats dirty teeth and anyway we're trying but I know I can learn a lot more so I'm excited that you're here because I know that you are like the master of this and like because you've worked hard at it right you've put the time in to become good at it which means any of us can if we know the steps which is why we need you (laughs) here's each us the steps (laughs) so Andy you are specifically you are talking about what's the parenting approach what have you named it then connective parenting Con, uh, connect method parenting is is the is what i usually refer Official it to title yeah connect method yeah. parenting it's a method of connecting and parenting through connection yeah Love versus cor- versus correction which is what we oh. typically do <laughs> yeah cuz you guys are talking a little bit ahead of the game cuz i think you both know maybe a little bit you obviously have seen a lot more than Andy's done and Andy knows what Andy knows, but True. Coming, sure. in, coming in late to the game. Can I like, so we're saying consequences are not a good um, form of parenting. Can you, I love the way you explained that because it's like actually not teaching anything, but so can you explain then what something like, let's go through that baby powder Maybe not the baby powder one, because you hadn't really learned everything you'd learned at that point. Right. But like, where do we go if we're not going to consequence? Because I feel like I've really aced it when I go, do you understand that this is a natural consequence of, right? And like, I'm like, dude, I'm acing this. Like, I'm not yelling. I'm having a full discussion, but like, I'm still using all those phrases. I'm still using that actual form of parenting I'm doing in a nice still voice I haven't yelled this time right but like which if is it's great. not really which, yeah, yeah but that's a win let's like yeah, celebrate the win not getting what I want out of the situation so let's see about this one so my seven-year-old got off of the bus and this is the second time that he's gone to a friend's house 
without permission. And we don't know where he is until five o'clock. And I'm like, where is this kid? Like, I'm terrified. He's been kidnapped, right? He's gone. In fact, the first time he went to not even a house we knew, the neighbor ended up asking him randomly who he was. And they found our name in LDS tools. Like, thank goodness we live in a community where they could even do that. Like, he would have had no idea. I do think he knows my number, which is lucky. But yeah, he was not ready to tell them because he didn't want them to call me. He wanted to play. Right. And so the second time he was at a friend's house. So he comes home and I'm able to like stay calm, but he's very much already not calm because he knows consequences are about to come. Right. So he's already in his stress mode where he goes, I'm going to lose electronics. I'm going to lose all this stuff. Everything's going to get taken away from me. And he's like screaming. He's like, I want a different family. I want a different family. So I called a couple different families and asked them how they would handle the situation. <laughs> I love it. I said, <laughs> I said, Shane, Charlie's looking for a different family. I'm wondering how you guys handle this situation. <laughs> he said, Oh uh, yeah, no, we, he wouldn't be able to play with electronics. We, there are consequences for making bad choices at our house too. And I called another family and then the, like, it's like, it's heightening. And he's heightening and he's feeling stressed. And like, I, I finally talked to him and I hold his face. I'm like, I love you. I don't want you to go missing. I don't want you to be gone, you know? And, but I just feel like there's still just a disconnect. Like we are not, he's not getting it. So I don't know how to do it. So let's go off of this scenario. I love it. It's a made up scenario. It's not true to my actually no. <laughs> oh, listen julie you know i'm laughing because you were on the phone that day that evan like was running away yes you remember that like, like she a better was just, like, busting a gut which was good for me because like evan has pulled like i want a new family and i'm like all right well the neighbors over here are really nice like he like went to my neighbor's house and they actually also have a kid with autism so i was like you picked the perfect house like they're just gonna play along with me you know and i was like okay well i'm gonna miss you while you're gone but i mean comerford might take in you know like and he was like walking across the street. Julie's on the phone with me and like her busting a gut in my ear, like made me feel like one, I'm not alone. And two, like, this is ridiculous. Like, so I didn't get like so caught up in the drama of it. Right. It was just like, oh, yep. I love you. And I see if they'll take in, you know, and like called his bluff and which is probably not good, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it because Julie was on the phone with me the day that he, that he was like determined to run away and like. In fact, my neighbors texted me like, we can see on the ring that Evan's like on our porch. Just wanted to make sure we're you're good. Like, do you know where he is? I'm like, yeah, I'm calling his bluff, but he's going to run away. She's like, oh yeah, have him come over. We'll support you. You know, like it was, it was great. So I also feel like Julie on kids wanting a new family and wanting to run away. So, yeah, so you're up, give us your wisdom. Help us with our family. Yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> so, and it's so fascinating the idea. I, I guess I first want to define, I, I use setting a limit instead of consequences. So I would just want to first define okay, yeah. that, that, um, for sure, if your child is like not coming home and there's a safety issue and right. you don't know where they are, like for sure, there needs to be a limit. There also might be consequences, but there is a difference between natural consequences and made up consequences that are not at all related to the thing. Yes. And here's the other thing that's a kicker. And it's really fascinating for us to remember that the prefrontal brain starts coming online around seven. If everything is ideal, if they have any 
trauma, which almost everyone does, or Mm -hmm. they're on the spectrum or they have any other delays of any kind that could be delayed. And for boys, it's 30 until their brains are fully developed. That's a long time. So the prefrontal is what's going to allow them to understand better and better as it gets more developed, um, cause and effect. So the crazy thing is we're using these consequences to try to teach them cause and effect. And not that I am, I'm a proponent of having safety, setting limits, even having, you know, things that are, you need to take away for safety or because you feel like it's going to serve the child all for that. Like this is not passive parenting at all. Um, but to think that they're going to draw the conclusion that the, the link between like, oh, if I go to my friend and they might at some level right? But it's not what we think. They're doing it like at a superficial level, if they can make the connection, like, oh, if I get off the bus and go to someone's house, then, I mean, they kind of know they're going to have a consequence, but they're not making the, the the link the way our brains would of like, oh, I should learn to not go, you know, Most, to friends' yeah. houses. Like they're a little confused. It's a little muddly, muddled. And we might, they might yeah. know it just enough for us to think that they figure they know what we're talking about, but they really don't on the level we do. So that's just yeah. good information. And most importantly, I really want him to understand the safety issue of, I want him to understand why we're doing it and not, I'm not doing it because I'm going to lose electronics. Right. 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 Because that, that carrot or, or thing that we take away, like it has, it gets bigger and bigger as they get older. And pretty soon they're like, I don't, I don't care what you're taking away. I'll just go do whatever I want anyway, you know, as they become teenagers. So yeah, my daughter's eight and is already like, "Mm -hmm, nice try mom. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Can't I wait for you to be a teenager? So, yeah. So like, we don't want to play that game. Plus it, 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 they've done studies. Like they did these studies where, um, one, just one, for example, and this is, I'm not able to remember exactly where it was, but they were asking, I think there were seven or eight year old boys to just identify like the difference between, um, like if the pictures matched or not or something, and they were like subtle and they offered one group, no, like reward and another group, a reward. And what they found is the group with that was offered an incentive, which is just the, I feel like punishments and rewards are two sides of the same coin. They're both Mm -hmm. an external way to try to control behavior. But anyway, so the, the ones that were offered a reward actually did worse than the ones that were not given anything. So it they've, and there's lots of studies that show this, that just like, actually the more we try to use external things, the, the less that intrinsic drive to just do well and to, you know, be guided by their, their compass, their inner compass, it actually dampens it, which is, is so fascinating that the thing we think is going to make it better is actually making it worse internally. Like our chances of them, like you said, understanding, like there's a safety issue and I want to listen to mom and she knows what she's talking about. And I'm connected to her that dampens when we start dangling things that we could give or take away from them. So super fascinating just to like for context, right. About, um, what's happening in their head. And the other thing that's fascinating, cause our kids do know like, Hey, I did something not cool. Like they're not, my mom's not okay with it. So there's probably going to be something that happens as a result. And when they come in, you were saying how he came in the door, he was on edge. That just is an indicator of his nervous system being triggered. He's in fight or flight. And when we're in fight or flight, our upper thinking is just kind of like turned off the, 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 whatever he's capable of having is really diminished of his ability to think at that higher level. So we're kind of like working against ourselves on a whole bunch of different levels when we do that. And we don't even realize like, it's not 
on purpose, right? We're all just trying to be really good right. parents using the tools we have. So this is not a criticism. I've done this. Oh, I just can yeah. slip into it too, right? It's just like, oh, society teaches us this. So we just like drop into it. And we've been conditioned for what, 20, 30, 40 years yeah. that this is I how do we do way. it. Yeah. Well, I'm then- happy. Let's analyze the crap out of this because I can tell I'm not doing it the way I want to do it. You know what well, I mean? For sure. But like, so in your, in your example, like, what would like what would setting a limit look like for you? Like, def- like give us like so yeah. Joy's example, or we can yeah. use other ones too. Just like no, let's like, dive into this one. Think yeah, it's but great. just like what would a limit? What would setting a limit look like versus like having a consequence? Yeah. Yes. Great. Great question. And I just wanted to lay the framework before yes, just yeah, so like people, have the context for it. like yeah. have the con yeah because otherwise people are like no like I need to hold on to the consequences because otherwise I have no tools I have no power I have yeah. no influence and what I'm saying is the tools we're using are actually not super impactful or influential in the way we want to they do teach them something you know but it's not the thing we want like how they might teach them to be afraid or scared or like nervous. And that's not what we want. That's not at all what we want them. We want them to feel safe. So their nervous system isn't triggered. Bench instead of a screwdriver. Yeah. A different tool. Yeah. Yeah. To use the the right tool. And all that being said, if anybody's listening and they're, and they're relating and they're like, I use like, I just want everyone to know, like if we're doing the way we've all like parenting, Western mainstream parenting, not nothing's gone wrong. You're just normal. Like everything's fine, but there is a way that we can have way better results. So, um, okay. Let's set this frame. So he has gone to his friends. He somehow gets back to your house at five o'clock and he walks in the door and the, there's two sides of this work is understanding my story about what's just happened. I think that's so important because we go kind of unconscious sometimes about like, how we're feeling. And we're like, it's because of this situation outside of me. So like really understanding, like, okay, I have legitimate fear about his safety. I want him, you know, like all of the things going on in my head and all the stuff that we might not be as excited to admit, but we have, you know, I'm angry at him or I'm frustrated at him, or he's, you know, not listening and he's, you know, being irresponsible or unkind or all the other stories we might have running through our head. So we need to understand what's happening in our mind so that we, and this is a practice I call it like steering our brains in the direction we want to. And at first it's going to all happen at the, after the fact. So like, it's so beautiful that we're talking about this after the fact, cause that's where all the learning and growth happens at first. And we practice so that we're ready. It's kind of like training for a marathon. You have to train ahead of time before you can actually run the marathon. If you just go run the marathon, yeah. you're going to not probably be very successful. So to think like, oh, I know this, I know all the training regiment. Now I can go run the marathon and be frustrated that we're not successful is like having this information, listening to this podcast and then going and failing again in the parenting and be like, oh my gosh. It's like, no, 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 it takes time. Like it takes some time. It might take a couple of months. It might take a couple of years to start, keep working through everything and that's okay. Nothing's gone wrong. So understanding what's happening in our mind and then trying to also put our, our, our mind to like understand from a compassionate place, like what would be causing him to like, go to his friend's house and think that's okay. And understanding, even though he might at his best know, like that wasn't a good choice for whatever reason, just honoring, like for whatever reason, his nervous system, his processing power, like a lot, like was at a place where that was just what he decided to do. But it's not, I think it's very, very rare. I would say hardly ever happens that they're intentionally trying to 
to do something like that's that's devious i mean like we might think it is but like really there's un- there's other stuff going on below it that if we could just come with compassion and try to create safety that they, that could come out and process and he could you know tap more into that so it's not that it's not in there it might just not be available to him kind of like what we were talking about earlier right we're throttled by where we are with where our nervous system is and where we're mentally able to process. So when he comes in, if we're understanding his behavior and our behavior, our thoughts and his thoughts and what's behind it, that really sets us up to be calm. Like, so if he's coming in triggered and now we're triggered, now we're just re-triggering each other. You know, like our nervous system is in fight or flight. His nervous system comes in, he's in fight or flight. And now we're just butting heads and there's no, or very little prefrontal cortex, very little logical thinking. So we try to like talk about it in the moment and emotions are heated, nothing happened. So when he comes in, the best thing to do is just to say very clearly, oh, we don't like just set the limit. Like, and when I think about a limit, it's just like a soccer coach telling a little five-year-old, hey, don't touch your hand, don't touch the ball with your hands. Like that's against the rule. Like just simple, neutral, no like pent up frustration about it. And so it's just like that. Oh, we don't go to friend's house after the bus, you know, or whatever. Like we're just setting that limit and we're just saying, okay. And there might be more conversation around it. You might be able to do it right now. If he's right then, if he's not triggered, it might typically we are triggered and we need to revisit it 24 hours later. That's typically what I recommend. That's when the nervous system is actually able to process it, but even just more for us to be able to process and be like, what do I want to put in place so that this doesn't happen again. And I love to just say to the parents, although they don't always love it, because we really want the consequence to teach a lesson and be end of story, problem solved, we're done, right? But we put it a lot on the kids. But when they're seven or eight or even 10 or even 15 and they're triggered, they can't, they, their behavior is showing us what they're capable of. And so we have to step in and say, okay, how can I make this so easy for him to come straight home? And maybe for a while it's, you know, I've decided, um, I mean, my go-to would be the first thing I would say is I've decided I'm just going to meet you after school on the bus and we'll just walk home together. Or I'm going to like putting something in place so that he's not totally responsible for having to make the choice to come home. If for some reason that's hard for him to make that choice to come straight home and just make that super simple, but not like I have to meet you at the bus because you can't, you know, like we're, we're getting frustrated. Like you can't decide that you're, it's not safe or you're making bad choices or, you know, we kind of go into that mode, just like, oh, I just decided like, this will be really fun. And like, if we can do it in a really, um, compassionate kind, but yet firm way, then we're setting everybody up for success. I also like to ask the question instead of what do they deserve? Like, like that goes into what does he need? What does he need in this moment to be successful? Because sometimes they just aren't equipped to make good choices and that's not a problem, but how can we help them make good choices, you know, so that they're safe. So what questions do you have? I can go further than that, but I think that's a great first start. But if you have questions or that's not clear, Julie, like where? No, I think that's really clear. I think that makes more sense. Maybe he's just oh, that sounds fun. I'm going to go walk to this person's house, you know, and can't yeah. quite like, think. he's not thinking about like, oh, my mom's going to get really upset and be worried about me. He's just in the moment, like thinking that's exciting, you know? I love the idea of like being more like thinking about why they're doing what they're doing and not attaching a bunch of information to that. Um, cause definitely this kid for sure is just like, I'm walking and I'm playing and right, I don't yeah. for a second thinks like, 
I want to hurt my mom's feelings. I want to not listen, which is like, as an adult, we put that on them. We assume totally. because that's how we think, right. Yeah. That fully formed. If I was to go and to like blatantly just go to someone's house without like, even though my husband and I have discussed what was going to happen or something, I would have to make lots of really bad choices and like be very like blatantly rude to somebody, but that's not where a kid's at. So I guess my next question is, you said, let's revisit it 24 hours later. Mm -hmm. Then is there a conversation that does happen on top of like me going and saying, oh, I'm going to meet you at the bus for a couple of days or whatever. Like, what is that conversation? Like, where do you meet them in the consequence mode that isn't a consequence? Where does, is there teaching? Is the teaching just that you let him sit in it and he's thinking about it? Or is he thinking about it? Cause he's seven. I and know I might not even be thinking about it. That's the crazy thing is like. With my kid. So he's a special circumstance too. Cause he was raised uh, for the first year in a home and then was removed into foster care and then lived with us for two. So we're dealing with for sure. He's a thousand percent all the time in fire flight. That's how his body exists just in fight or flight but even with like our more neurotypical kids like I'm thinking about my older kids I'm definitely thinking that my job is to detach my emotions with them because I do put more I think that they are more capable of being manipulative and therefore I assume they're being manipulative which is not very but yeah so how do you revisit that and engage in that parenting so good so sometimes it doesn't actually need to happen that makes me feel anxious. It's like, I know. Right. Cause it's, it's because our, our, I, it goes back to believing externally. That's how we're going to teach a lesson conversation, right? a consequence, a reward that it, it's going to happen externally, but we really want them to start. And, and I'm not also ruling out having the conversation. I'm just saying it doesn't, it's, it's not always necessary to get the change you want. Mm. So like with a seven-year-old, the most you could, if you're calm and you feel like you're just explaining it to you and you feel like you really need to have that conversation, typically that's totally fine, right? As long as we're not triggered. And and I like to ask ourselves, like, why am I having this conversation? Am I having this conversation to try to get to fix him so that he stops doing this? If I am, I need to get, I, I usually direct the work back to myself and I'm like, okay, is that how he's going to be? Like, is it, is the fixing actually a thing? Or is that just to make my, like, it would just make my job a lot easier if you stopped doing this versus he's really struggling right now and super triggered and he's not making good choices. And he just needs a lot of help right now. Right. Like, so sometimes we try to off ramp or off, what do you call it? Like uh, outsource, like mm-hmm. the whole parenting job to the kids. And it's like, oh, they're actually, they actually need the parent. you know, like they're not ready to solve this problem on their own. However, if I'm just having the conversation to just connect and to, and to explain, like, I'm, Cause at some point they are going to start to get that cause and effect. And if we're really connected, they might be like, oh, I didn't realize mom was so worried. I didn't even occur to me, you know, that I, that she's thinking I could get kidnapped. Like, I, I don't think I'm going to get kidnapped, you know? And, and so we're presenting another idea to them from a really beautiful, just like, Hey, I just want you to know, I get so worried, but, but we're, we're taking all the expectations that he's actually going to do anything different the next time. We're just like, and, and also you can have them set an intention of like, okay, from now on, when you get off the bus, like the idea is you come home, can you agree to that? We can have that conversation. I don't, I think that's a beautiful thing, but I think if we can then not expect them to follow through, that's really helpful. Just like if we, 
I don't know if you can relate to this. I like, I've been on like, a, you know, trying to eat healthier and then I'll go to a party or something, especially at the holidays. And I'm like, Oh, but that's my favorite dessert. And even though I've made this commitment to eat healthy, I cave and I go eat the dessert. Right. Cause even though my intention was good in the moment, my, my, body took over almost like my default programming was like, eat the sugar, you know? And so our kids are in a way, the same way they could have the intention really good. They're like, yes, I will do that mom. But then they get off the bus and their friends are talking about something and they're just, you know, go eat the brownie, you know, they go to the friend's house instead of staying true. So I love the conversations, but dropping all the expectations that it's their job right now when they're showing us like their behavior is not able to follow through like right now can i just take responsibility for helping make this as easy as possible for them to make a good decision if that makes sense yeah and so let's say we're at like day 10 and he's still getting and i've walked him but now we're yeah. 10 deep and he's still hanging out at somebody's house until five yeah yeah i mean i i mean obviously if you're still walking him home hopefully he's you know, you're helping him not because he's still not able to make that choice. And I attack it three different ways. So I have like three pillars. Like we want to understand our behavior, what's going on in our head. Like, what's the story I'm telling? Cause even, even then if it's like, oh, it was supposed to be fixed at five days. He's at 10. Like, doesn't he know five was when he was supposed to like retrain his brain. That's kind of like us saying like, why haven't I lost the 20 pounds? Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. And it's, it's interesting how our brains and our subconscious you know, works. And we have a, we have sometimes expectations with our kids to be able to change their behavior. But if we look at our own life, we're like, but I can't exercise every day. And, you know, and maybe you guys do, but for me, it's like still this thing of like an eating healthy. Like I I know I feel better when I don't eat gluten, but yet I see that piece of bread and I'm like, Oh, I just want that piece of bread, you know? (laughs) And so I think we have to look at our story of why is it a problem if it takes 10 days, right. Or is my real, is my member one priority safety? Right. If it really is, and is this a problem if I'm walking him home? Like we just go through that. So understanding our own behavior and there's, and then we are consistently connecting outside of the event. So that's to strengthen the relationship. So am I doing things that is helping us just strengthen our bond? And I love letting them decide and doing that regularly. And we can even just keep it to five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day where we're just trying our best to just be totally at present and connected to them. And then are we practicing choosing to be close? Like I call it choosing closeness when things do go off the rails and behavior is like, woo, what's going on with this? And we're staying connected instead of going into fight or flight mode ourselves. So we're atta- when we're attacking it from all those angles, I like when I'm working with a mom, we're, we're looking at everything. Like, are you like, where are you with understanding your own behavior so you can leave room there from theirs? How are you doing on consistently connecting? How are you doing on like in the heat of the moment? Like, do we need to come up with a protocol for you to stay calm and get your nervous system, you know, settled down so that you're not just re-triggering their, their nervous system and their triggers. And you're not just two nervous systems fighting, you know, against each other. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I, and I, one of the thought that came up is just a reminder to myself of if it's 10 days in and his behavior is still not where I was hoping it to be, just keeping to remind, like I keep reminding myself, this is his nervous system sending me information or his behavior sending me information. This is the nervous system talking, not him. So I just have some more work to do to get him calm, to help him make the choices that I want him to make, you know, and to help him feel more swayed by me and than his friends, right? Like, oh, I need to go home and check in with mom before I go over to a friend's house. Like that's where we're trying to get 
and not putting a timeline on that, being okay if that takes a little bit of time. Yeah, I like that. I I I think it's clarified for me a little bit. Like the idea is that um, the consequences allow us as parents to try and escape what maybe actually needs to be happening. Like if when you said is safety really the issue? Because to me, like I have a six month old, the thought of having to go and get him on the bus, like, I don't really actually want to have to do that. I don't really want to have to walk him home. That sounds really annoying to me. <laughs> I know, right? Right. And like, <laughs> yeah, but the truth is, is like that, like that's parenting is me doing that is me showing up and showing him that I love him and care about him. I notice he even has better days when I get up and I do his hair every day. Mm-hmm. But that is sometimes the last thing I want to do. I know I'm so tired. I got a baby, you know, but it's like, those are the times when we're checking in and we're building that connection that like, and I can see that clearly with my son, who's 15, who who's 14, who I do have a much closer relationship with than my 12 year old daughter. And I can see him much more influenced and like a desire to do well and mm-hmm. come in and check with me than, than with my daughter. So I can see what you're saying. And that clarifies a lot. If I look at myself and I go, Julie, this is about you being lazy and not wanting, and not a bad way, but just because I have probably all the reason or the, I have all the right to be able to say that, but I need to look at myself and go, well, maybe you should pick him up from the bus. Yeah. Cause I've threatened that even I'm like, I'm going to drive you from school. And I'm like, why am I saying that? I don't want to go and pick him up. Yeah. Well, and I love not even making it a threat. Just being like, I have the best right, idea. Exactly. Yeah. Right? I want to drive you to school every day. Like I want yeah. to spend that time with you. I can't wait till I pick you up after school, like changing, but that's goes back to that step of like, I got to understand the thoughts. And I love that you're so honest, right? It's like, cause all of us have those thoughts of like, I just want to sleep in, or I don't want to go drive. I just want, you know, I'm busy. I have a six month old. Like we have these reasons and inspecting those and being honest with ourselves and then saying, what do I really actually, like, what does my highest self believe, right? What do I really want? Well, I want a like beautiful relationship with him where he feels safe, where he trusts me, where he, where I'm the most important person, you know, or one of the most important influences in his life. Well, I got to do that. I got to put some deposits in that bank in a different way. And some kids don't, they're diff, they either need less or they need it differently. Right. And so each child is different. And it's like, well, this one, you know, really values me waking up and doing his hair and loves the time, you know, where I pick up, but this is where we go back to. It's not the action. So you could go pick him up and drop him off. But if we're coming at it from this like angsty, frustrated place, that's actually going to do the opposite to the relationship. And even though he might be quote unquote safe, we're not actually getting the strategic byproduct of creating a deeper relationship and having, having more fun and connecting. Right. And so it's not just the actions. That's why you have to go underneath and be like, what is, what's the thoughts that are driving the train? What's the emotions, you know, that's the fuel to this. And how do I clean it up and being not judgmental when we find the ones that are maybe like, Ooh, I don't like that one, but it's honest. That's what's there. So that's the only way we can clean it up is by actually looking at it. So in a kind way. Totally. Well, and I know I need to let you go soon, but I just was wanting to like just a couple quick thoughts from me about like the things that just have to happen every day, like brushing the teeth and the, you know, doing your chores, doing your homework. Like my autistic son, if he didn't have to, he would not brush his teeth ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's not a choice his home he's making. And, and it's also hard sometimes to get to like, what's the reason why, like my daughter can tell me and we can have good conversations about like what's going on and make a plan together, but he can't always or hardly ever can tell me 
why he's like so, mm-hmm. fighting something so hard. One time I did get quiet and I was like, bud, what's the matter? And he's like, I don't want to brush my teeth because I have a kinker. I was like, oh, I hear you. Can mom do it so I can be really gentle? And he's like, okay. And went and like, I brushed his teeth and then put him to bed. Like, but those are like, or being late for school. Like, I know that there's part of it that in my trigger is like, I look bad. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm like, but at some point, like I can get in trouble for you guys being like to school every single day or like it could affect your schooling if you're always late for school. And anyway, so kind of those everyday battles we're having, like just a few like quick tips and thoughts about how we can kind of come at that in a more connective approach yeah my go-to always is play I think it's one of the most underutilized tools especially with younger kids but I will say even with my big teenagers it's it's like magic um when we go into play mode if we can make it playful but I'll just it's beautiful but the reasons it's beautiful is it it helps us feel safe it turns on the thinking brain you know, typically it allows that nervous system to relax. It increases the bond. If you almost ask any married couple, they have an origin story of some point where they just connected and it was super playful. They were laughing. Like there was something there that was very light and playful and fun. And it's, we, it's the same thing with our kids, like to build the relationship of trust, like play is essential. So it's the easiest to go to. Now, again, it's not going to work if we're like, I have to be playful. I better go do this. And we're going, you know, but if we can go and have a fun time with it and so it's beautiful. And so some of the little things you could try is I love having songs for different things. We used to like have our whole evening and bedtime when my kids were really little orchestrated to music. In fact, they were all over on Sunday and we were pulling up the old songs. We we played and like, this was the wake up song and this was the come to breakfast song. And this was the get ready for school song, you know? So that's really fun. We also did drills, which would, was really fun. We would like have them go mess up their bedroom and get in their pajamas. And then we timed to see how fast it, you know, they didn't have to brush their teeth for two minutes. We, we allowed them to brush quickly, but like brush their teeth, do their hair, get dressed, make their room. And we had like do time trials and, and, how we just had so much fun, like practicing in that way. And just, so anything you can make it fun, but also consistent. Like sometimes if we're changing up things every day and we have to make the decision and the kids aren't sure when we're going to brush the teeth or when we're going to get up, that can be, especially kids on the spectrum, like usually really like consistency, Um, but all kids do really well with it too. So if it can be like we always kind of have this or most of the time, like have this kind of rhythm where we do this and then this and then this and then this. And then even if they're resistant, right, they just their their brain, it's kind of like driving a car, you know, first, it's really hard, it takes a lot of energy. And that's what happens when we're changing it up every night. And we're not sure. So this night, they don't have to brush their teeth. And tomorrow they do. And we're doing prayers today, but not, to, you know, whatever, when yeah. we're inconsistent, versus like, after you've driven them for a while, it just is so subconscious. So we want the, if we can get the routines in place, like these things can become sub like, like they just, their body almost is like, Oh, I guess it's time. And even if they might have a little resistance, it's going to be a lot less and we can get used to like trying out different things that might make it easier for them. I also like looking at it like a scientist, like I have a, um, hypothesis, you know, I come up with a hypothesis of how it might be like this. If I do it this way at night, that might be better. And then I evaluate and then I iterate and, you know, so just for us too, just how do I make this less, um, challenging or hard or serious. Right. And I'm, I'm iterating on it and okay you know, that it doesn't go perfectly every night. So, but then all the other things I said, uh, looking at our, um, you know, understanding our behavior, 
so we can, yeah. there's consistently connecting and choosing to stay close. Those are things that are kind of like the multivitamin to really keep the connection strong so that these little tasks we have to do every day become gradually less and less, like they become less resistant. They become smoother. I love that. So kind of the takeaways that I've been, like, as I'm listening to this whole conversation, the takeaways are like the choosing to stay close like to be aware of what your brain's doing and the story you're making up and yeah. like making sure that we're looking at that they would make a better choice if they knew how to. Right. And so like making sure we're looking at like what can they do and make it really easy for them to make a good choice and like to make the choice that's safe or that's healthy or whatever. Right. And, um, and to find ways to play, like you're speaking my language. I mean, I know you're so playful and fun. Like on my best days, like this morning, I was, you know, going to eat the children who did not change their clothes. And so they ran to their rooms and changed their clothes. So, you know, it doesn't always happen, but that has been like an easy way to get them more motivated. Or we'll Mm -hmm. do like Among Us, like your task to find out the imposter is first to go brush your teeth and then I'll give you a clue. Like, love it. There's no actual clue. They're just going to brush their teeth, but they still get excited that it's Among Us. And, but then some days they're like, I don't want to play Among Us today. Like they're divas about how we play sometimes, but yes. Yeah. So I think these are all amazing, amazing takeaways. All right. Well, Andy, I we obviously both have learned a lot from you and I'm sure everyone else will be. And we'll also have you at the end, like share like ways to find you. And we'll put that in the show notes. But to close up today, I just think it'd be great for you to share like how this has helped you grow closer to the savior, your family to grow closer to the savior as you've implemented this type of parenting. Oh, I love that. I love that because I feel that as I was on my journey to kind of get clear on what is now connect method parenting, looking to people who I really like the savior, right? Like Jesus Christ, like that, that to me epitomized what it was like to be the the most fully developed human, most loving, most kind. It was important. It was influential. It was helpful. It was reassuring. You know, sometimes when I was like, wait, it feels like maybe consequences are the, are the ticket. And then I'm like, but the savior didn't do that. Right. He didn't shame. He didn't blame. He didn't threaten. I mean, you might find like an outline story, but for the most part, I, and I even think I could, if we had a conversation, I could talk about why I even think those aren't, that's not really was the intent, but you know, you think about the, you know, the story of the prostitute, right. And he's like, just go and, and sin no more. There was no, like, well, we got to talk about the consequence for this to make it right. Cause this was a really bad choice you did, you know, right. or even like, when you're he's a terrible the, human, you're a terrible human. How, yeah. how come you made these choices? I think he was able to have the, the insight to know extending compassion is what changes hearts. Great. Right? Yeah. It's not concept. I, I just don't find the evidence. I mean, I'm sure someone could come in and, and say, okay, let's have a debate about this. But to me, the way I interpret the story is I'm not seeing the evidence that that is truly what is changing people and turning them into the most compassionate version of themselves. And, and I think like the, the epitome of the story is he's on the cross and he's like, forgive them. They know not what they do. Like they're killing him. Right. And he's just like, forgive them. There's no, like, teach them a lesson, make sure they're accountable. He's like, just forgive them. Like, it's going to be fine. Like I'm, I'm good. And I think as parents having, I mean, we're not 
you know, at that level, but, but esteeming and, and looking to that example of how can I also be that forgiving, be that safe, be that kind, you know, in the way I treat these little humans. Cause to him, we were probably like the little children. He's like, they just don't understand. Like they're trying their best. Right. If they, could, they can, if they knew better, they would do better. They would do. I know that's one of my favorite things. Like if they knew better, they would do better. That And, yeah. and, and so like, when I see him extending that to us, I'm like, oh, surely I can extend that to my children. And surely I can believe if they knew better, if they understood what they were doing, if they, you know, they would do better, but they can't right now. So I'm just going to receive that information that they can't and, and meet them where they're at instead of trying to say, you really got to change. Cause what the behavior is telling me is they're not there yet. And that's okay. And I think that's what he said too. It's like, this is where they are and that's okay. This is where they are and that's okay. And what do they need instead of what do they deserve? Like, I just feel like that was the overarching theme. So I feel just so connected to that love and to that invitation, you know, to live in a way that I, that, that was shown through his example of how is possible in the best way I possibly can without judging myself either, you know, when I slip back into it, cause I don't, I don't think he did that either. So I just love having the, having that as a, as an example, as a story and just feel connected, you know, through that way, it's just been beautiful. And I feel so grateful, right. For all the stories in there and, and the gentle way they're taught without, I don't know, without the shame or like, you've got to do this on my timeline and it's okay. If it's like, repentance is the plan, not the backup plan, you know, and, and mistakes are what we're, we're going to be doing every day, you know, and it's really about the recovery and the turnaround and what we, how we learn and grow from that. And I, I do feel like, you know, Jesus Christ definitely was an example of that. If we can look at the stories through that way, which I, I tend to do. Um, and I love it. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So if people wanted to continue this conversation with you and about how to, you know, do more of this connect method parenting, what's the best way for them to find you? So they can visit my website, connectmethodparenting.com. I have information on there. There's free resources you can download. I wrote a book called Connect Method Parenting. You can get on Amazon. Um, and also I have a, a I, t- I coach one-on-one. It's pretty full, but you can always request to do that. But a lot of people are taking advantage of the, of the group. I called the league of extraordinarily connected parents. Cause that's our aim. That's where we're going. And it's a group program where we have resources and live calls where you can get questions and support 24 seven, um, to learn how to implement it because knowing it isn't all, all we need, we need to actually learn how to do it. And we have to work through our nervous system and calm that down and and do it in real life. So I love supporting people as they are on their journey. Um, however, however is, you know, useful or helpful or, uh, you know, aligns with them. So those are how you can connect with me. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram, just Google my name or connect method parenting. I love it. Okay. And I'll link all those too. So it's easy for them to find them, but yeah, you guys, if you're looking for more ways to have that connection, because as we're seeing connection is better than correction and it's going to have more lasting, amazing relationships. Cause I watch like just on social media, your relationships with your kids are so beautiful and you are so connected. And so seeing that benefit is really powerful. So thank you for being here friends. Thanks for listening. Thank and you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here today. If you like the podcast, the best way to support us is to leave a review and five-star rating. 
and come hang out with us and join our community at our new Instagram at notyourmamas.rs.